Good morning and welcome to Open Church Sunday service. Uh, we are found here in Indola, uh, right in the town center at Lowentho Theatre. I am Pastor Sylvester Lunda. And today is such a great day, a big day for our mothers. Happy Mother's Day to all Open Church mothers and every mother out there. Remember family, do something special for our mothers. Cook for them something nice, nice meals for our mothers and do something like you know, wash dishes for them, help them to do chores and every other good thing. Make them feel special because we love you mothers, we treasure you, we are so glad to have you in our lives. Remember also to like and subscribe uh, to our YouTube page and also feel free to visit our Facebook page because we are there and you make things happen. And also we are about to go in worship and uh, our worship team is leading us in a great moment and time of worship. Feel free to worship with us from the comfort of your homes and may God bless us. We pray that the presence of God will be with you and the Spirit of God will be right with you as you worship with us at home. May God bless us as we worship.
morning, everyone. It's good to be together this morning, even in this different sort of way. I'm guessing for most of us, we're really missing being together on a Sunday morning. I know we as a family definitely are. I don't know what Sunday mornings are looking like for you, uh, but at our fam- at, in our family, we are doing family worship every Sunday morning. And to make it feel more like open church, our boys are insistent that the curtains be drawn to make it a bit dark. Uh, ben, he's the self-appointed tech team, and we have two tor- torches that have uh, some flashing lights. And so he gets those out and so- sets them up. Then Jacob turns on the music, and that signifies, once the music is loud, that we're in church mode. Um, and that really makes me me smile. And so every Sunday without fail, we have to sing This Is Amazing Grace and Real Love. These are Charlie's absolute favorite songs at the moment. And so unless, if we don't play those, I think he feels like we haven't quite had church. And so uh, that's what our Sunday mornings look like. And I don't know what your Sunday mornings are looking like at the moment, but Uh, Maybe they're full of family worship like us, or maybe they are containing a lot of prayer and a lot of journaling. Maybe you feel like you're really meeting with God during this season, or maybe you're feeling lonely and feeling disconnected, not just from people, but from God. And I think this is a really unique season in our lives, and it's all impacting, it's impacting us all very differently. For many of us, our our daily lives are just not what we thought they would be at this time of the year, uh, we're, and we're letting having to let go of plans um, and some of the the hopes that we had for this time of the year. For us as a family, we were hoping to go back to the UK and to Canada at the end of May, and we're gonna or we're having to postpone and maybe even cancel that trip. And if we're honest, it's disappointing. It's disappointing that this this thing that we've been anticipating for three years to go back as a family uh, might not happen in the foreseeable future. And I know many for us, um, many of us in our church, we have we had plans, we had ideas of what was going to happen in in May 2020, and. For some of us, it was that we were really hoping to progress with our studies. For others, it was that we had jobs or internships lined up. But in many ways, coronavirus has brought so many things to a halt. And I don't know about you, but I found this really challenging at times. The uncertainty of, of this time in our lives, of what will happen, how long will this last for? And th- these sorts of things have felt really overwhelming And so this is sort of the backdrop to our lives as we study the book of Philippians. And it's a great book to be studying at the moment because it's all about joy. And it's interesting because the backdrop of Paul's life as he was writing this letter was that he was imprisoned. And Lena touched on this last week as well, that I bet there was times where in that place of imprisonment, he also was struggling to find joy and connection, and community, and love, and security. He was imprisoned, and he was alone much of the time, and facing a very uncertain future. And I think we can identify to a small degree how Paul must have felt in that place of uncertainty and isolation. And yet in that place, in that very place, is where Paul wrote this incredible letter of encouragement and of joy. And I, and I hope that, that is really, um, really speaks to us this morning, that in that place, that we too can also find joy. We too can also encourage others joyfully as well. 
And so this morning, we're continuing in our Philippians 2 series, or in our Philippians series, and we're going to be looking at Philippians 2. And this chapter, much like chapter 1, is packed with amazing encouragement from Paul. He, Paul, he's incredibly um, inspirational throughout this book. He, he doesn't um, tell the Philippian church off about anything. He is really, he's cheering them on, and he's encouraging them in their faith. And in chapter 2, Paul is really encouraging the Philippian church to have the mindset of Christ, And that is the mindset of humility. Paul's reminding the Philippian church that nothing builds a church stronger and surer than humility. But nothing breaks and destroys the church faster and more certainly than pride. And so I want to encourage us this morning as we, as we look at this book um, and as we continue to go through the book of, of Philippians and explore Paul's encouragement to pursue a life of humility. So I'm going to start by reading Philippians 2, verse 1 to 5 from the Passion Translation. It says this, Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they, they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example of Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. And in these first few verses, Paul, he's really saying to the Philippian church, you've experienced, you've known the love and the affection that comes through relationship with God. And because of this inner transformation, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, the overflow should be that we live a life of unity together. And Paul recognizes, he knows the diversity of the Philippian church. Again, Lena spoke of this last week. They were an incredibly diverse group of people. And so Paul, he's not saying to them, you all need to be the same. I think that would have been impossible given that group of people. He's encouraging encouraging them to unity, not uniformity. And he's saying that in their diversity, they could still be one. And I think that's a real encouragement for us as Open Church, because we're incredibly diverse, aren't we? And yet too, we can find unity because of the inner transformation that God's done in our lives. And so in verse two, Paul, he explains what unity looks like. He says it means we have one heart, one passion, that we're united in love and that we walk together in harmonious purpose. Unity, it brings life and it brings joy. It releases joy. And you know, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? I think we all want that. And you know what it takes to achieve this? Humility. It takes humility to achieve unity. And then in verses 3 and 4, Paul, he explains that what will rob the church of unity is pride-filled opinions, selfish promotion, and and selfishness. When we live for ourselves, the result will be disunity, and disunity kills joy. 
And so it's like Paul is contrasting unity and disunity, humility and pride. And he's contrasting how the two things um, manifest themselves. And so on one hand, we have this unity achieved through humility. And that looks like the one heart, one passion, one love, walking together in harmonious purpose. And then on the other hand, we have disunity due to pride. And that looks like pride-filled opinions, self-promotion, and selfishness. Now, humility actually means lowliness. Humility requires that we let go of our selfishness so that we can be one, in one heart with others. It means letting go of some of our own ideas so that we can move forward in, in passion together, in one passion as we expand the kingdom of God. It means letting go of some of our agendas so that we can walk together in harmonious purpose. So there is a selflessness that is required in humility. And so there's a selflessness that's required to achieve unity. And there's a selfishness in pride. Pride is full of opinions, is full of self-promotion. Pride thinks of self over others. Pride says, you owe me. And in verses 3 and verses 4, it says, You do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And I was reading that in that verse, in verse 4, where it talks of our interests and the interests of others, that that word interest is actually a bit of a filler that in the original text, it was much more um, open-ended. And so it would have read a little bit more like something like this. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, which might include financial affairs, your own property, your own family, your own health, your own reputation, your own education, your own success, your own happiness. And Paul is saying, don't just look at that. Don't just have desires about that. Don't just strategize about that. Don't just pursue that. But look to the financial affairs, the property, the family, the health, the reputation, the education, the success, and the happiness of others. And Paul is really encouraging the church saying, humility, it means letting go. Letting go of our own selfishness. Letting go of our own ambitions ambitions, letting go of our own interests, which can include so many different things. And I'm aware that this is actually really, really hard to do because it's often so contrary to our, our own human sinful nature. Our human sinful nature doesn't want us to go low. Our desire is often to be seen, to be noticed, to be heard, to achieve and yet Paul, he's encouraging us to be motivated by humility, to be motivated by humility, by lowliness. And he's saying that to achieve unity, we must choose humility. We must actively choose to not live for ourselves, but to humbly live for God and to serve others. And so what does humility really look like? Well, I think there's three kind of main characteristics. And the first characteristic is being dependent on God, relying on him, seeking him in the big decisions and the small decisions, listening to his voice, and really being obedient as well. 
I think the second characteristic of humility is being interdependent on each other, recognizing that we need each other as being part of the body of Christ together. It actually takes humility to acknowledge that and to be vulnerable and open to deep relationship. And I think the third characteristic of humility is that we take responsibility for our words and for our actions. We own what we say and we own what we do. And when we mess up, we say sorry. These are characteristics of humility. I think three characteristics of pride are, number one, independence from God. Making our own plans, um, going about our life in our own way and not, not laying our life down for, to God. A second characteristic of pride, independence from people. Do you know what? Pride says, I don't need community. I don't need accountability. And the third characteristic of pride, I think, is it doesn't take responsibility. Do you know what? Pride will always shift the blame. Pride always says, it's not me. And I think pride can often manifest itself in things like impatience and frustration and anger and discontentment. I was listening uh, to one of our pastors from the UK, and he was talking about impatience and frustration. And he said that our pride is often revealed when we feel inconvenienced by someone else. Because it's like our agenda and our feelings are more important than the person that might have a need or desire that's coming into our lives. And we feel like they're getting in the way of our plans and our intentions. But that's pride, isn't it? To say that our plans and our intentions are more important than that person's. And so Paul, in this letter, he is saying, there's a better way. There's a better way than, than this pride and this selfishness, this impatience, this frustration and anger and discontentment that many of us carry. Paul's saying, there's a better way. And so he's saying, let's get rid of our selfishness. Let's get rid of our own ambitions. And let's pursue the way of humility. And that will bring unity and will release joy. And so he's saying, let's lay our lives down for those around us. Let's give our lives away for the sake of others and to focus on the needs and the concerns and the interests, which again can, can, can include so many different things, to, to consider that, to focus on that. And this will bring joyous unity. Romans 12 verse 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I think this is a, a really challenging verse because, again, it reminds us of our own responsibility to live humbly and peacefully with others. As far as it depends on you. You know, we each have the opportunity to lay down our lives to achieve this. And you know what? Unity is not going to happen in any other way. Unity does not happen without humility. And so Paul, he moves on and says in verse 5 that Jesus was the best example of humility in action. Paul says, let his mindset become your motivation. And I love that. Our motivation is what drives us. Our motivation is what gets us up in the morning. And Jesus' mindset was that of humility, lowliness, I just think that's really challenging. Is it humility that wakes me up in the morning? That brings me forward? Is it humility that inspires my actions? And then Paul, he goes on um, in, in um, verses 6 to 11, and he says this. It says, he, Jesus, ex 
existed in the form of God, and yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was the perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his father. And so Paul, he's encouraging the Philippian church to have this mindset, this mindset of Jesus and the mindset of humility. And then Paul, he paints this incredible picture of humility. And he talks about how Jesus, he, when he was in heaven with God, he was face to face with the father. And then he humbled himself. He became a man. He let go of his rights and his privileges and he came and he emptied himself. And not just that, but he was, he came and he was a servant. He was born in a stable and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And it's like he's making this series of choices downwards towards lowliness. And then God, and then it says that God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. And he's been given the greatest of all names. Peter Prothero was, um, has a short teaching on, on Philippians. And he said that humility is something that we choose, but promotion is something God gives. And I think that's really powerful because when we promote ourselves, that's often pride. We're actually acting in the opposite spirit of the Godhead. And it says, or Jesus says in Luke 22, verse 27, he says, I am among you as one who serves And we see this demonstrated throughout the Gospels time and time and time again. Jesus pouring out his life to serve the poor and to serve the outcasts and to serve even those who would betray him. He just kept on pouring his life and giving out again and again and again. And Paul is saying that's what we should be aiming towards. That sort of level of servanthood and humility and that lowliness. And Paul is also encouraging us to stop trying to grasp that which is ours by right, the things that we feel entitled to. Because Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, he let go of all of his rights. And that should be our example, to be humble and to be willing to let go of our rights and our privileges. And we live in a day and age where uh, we're often much more focused on our rights than our responsibilities. We often feel very entitled. We feel we deserve things. And yet Jesus, he laid aside his rights. He lay aside his entitlements and his privileges to take up responsibility, to take up responsibility, not for his own sin, but for our sin. And I just think that's amazing. He took up responsibility for our sin and died on the cross. And Paul is saying, this is our best example of humility. And this should be our motivation, choosing to go low, Choosing to lay down our lives the way that Jesus did, that should be our inspiration. 
I think that's so amazing and so challenging as well. And so Paul moves on um, in Philippians 2, and he's given us this amazing example of Jesus. And then in the rest of the book, we actually find three more fantastic examples of people living lives of humility. And so the first one is actually Paul himself. He says this in verses 17 and 18. He says, but I will rejoice even if my life is being poured out like a drink offering to God over your sacrificial and surrendered lives of faith. And so no matter what happens to me, you should rejoice in ecstatic celebration with me. You know, Paul, he loved the church. He loved all the churches and he gave him his life to serve them. And um, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, he says, I die every day. Every day he poured out his life again and again, like he talked about here, like a drink offering. He did not take his own interests, whatever that may be into account. No, he took in the interests of others. And in the end, he died to make their faith strong. And then the, the second example that Paul gives is Timothy. Timothy is like no other. He carries the same passion for your welfare that I carry in my heart. For it seems as though everyone else is busy seeking what is best for themselves instead of the things that are more, more, sorry, most important to our Lord Jesus Christ. You already know about his excellent reputation since he has served alongside me as a loyal son in the work of ministry. So Paul is saying here, there's no one else like this guy, Timothy. And he's also saying that Timothy is like himself. And, and Paul's just said that Paul is one to pour himself out again and again and again. And he's saying here, Timothy does this as well. And Timothy had a passion for the Philippian church and for their welfare. And he said, Paul says here that everyone around Timothy seems to be looking out for their own interests. But Timothy is not like that. He's not, he doesn't have that selfishness. He's looking to the interests of others. He's looking to the interest of the Philippian church. He's invested. He's going low and pouring out his life. And then the third example that Paul gives um, later on in this chapter is Epaphroditus. And so in verses 25 to 30, he says this, But for now, I feel a stirring in my heart to send Epaphroditus back to you immediately. He's a friend to me and a wonderful brother and fellow soldier who has worked with me as we serve as ministers of the gospel. And you sent him as your apostle to minister to me in my need. But now he's grieved to know that you found out that he had been sick. So he longs to return and comfort you in this. And then it goes on to say, so warmly welcome him in the Lord with joyous love and esteem him highly for people like him deserve it. Because of me, he put his life on the line, despising danger, so that he could provide for me with that which you couldn't, since you were so far away. And he did it all because of his ministry for Christ. So again, Paul is highlighting where his interests lie. It seems that he wasn't concerned that he was sick. He was concerned because they had found out that he was sick and found out and were worried that maybe he had died or that he was, there was something else wrong. And so he was, his, the interests that were on his heart were those of the Philippian church. I know Paul also says that Epaphroditus put his life on the line for Paul. Do you know, to be a friend of Paul at this time would have been a bit of a dangerous thing. 
Friends of prisoners weren't often kind of highly regarded or popular during this time. And yet Paul says that Ephroditus put his life on the line, that he faced danger so that he could support Paul. And again, he's talking about the humility that he has, the servanthood that he's embraced. And so in this last section of chapter two, we see these three great examples of men living lives of humility. First, we see Jesus as the ultimate and the best example. And then we read it demonstrated in Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. Now, I don't know about you, but as I think about that and as I read that, I feel massively encouraged as I read about these three men. And I think it's almost like Paul is kindly um, pointing out that humility isn't unachievable. He's saying, here's some people around you that are living this out, that are, um, that are examples of this as well. And this is what it should look like. And you can do it too. Do you know, there's a real joy that comes when we lay down our lives for others in service to God. There's a joy when we embrace humility and lowliness, when we let go of our rights, our agendas, our opinions, and our ideas for the sake of others, for the sake of unity, for the sake of love, and for the sake of Christ. And I want to end by reading Psalm 133, which is all about unity. It says this, How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It is as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. This heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon refreshing the slopes of Israel. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. Isn't that beautiful? I just think it's a wonderful picture of the beauty of unity. And so this morning we're going to pray Um, about three things. And actually, this coming week, the devotions on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are going to give us more time to meditate on these three things as well. And so this week, I want us to encourage, I want to encourage us to do three things. And that is to look up, to look in, and to look out. As we look up, I want us to spend time with the Father. Spend time um, looking up at Jesus and focusing on his amazing example of humility, his amazing example of servanthood and sacrifice. The second thing is I want us to spend time looking in. And by that, I mean spending time receiving God's love for ourselves, his love and his affection, giving space for that inner transformation that Paul talked about at the beginning of this chapter. And the third thing is that I want us to spend time looking out, asking God, how can I better lay my life down for those around me? Where is there, also asking him where there's selfishness and pride in my own life, in our own lives that he wants to rid us of. But also asking him for creativity and practical ways to serve those around us. So I'm going to pray. And then we can continue to really grow in these things in the week ahead.
So Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for this um, this word that you've given us about humility and about pride, um, about unity and disunity. Father, thank you for the encouragement that this is, that um, you are the best example, Jesus. And as we look up to you as our amazing example, we are just in awe of, of what you did for us, that you would take on responsibility for our sin and die on the cross. God, we're amazed by that. God, would we never forget that. God, help us to keep our eyes upwards onto you and onto that example. God, we also want to look in, Father. We want to receive your love and your affection. God, we know that we need that. We need that inner transformation by your Holy Spirit so that we can live these things out in our own strength. We will not do it, but that, but we need you. We need you to do that transformation. And so, God, we open ourselves up to your love and to your affection. And we ask, God, that you'd fill us and you'd give us a greater revelation of your love in our lives, Lord. And thirdly, God, we want to look out this morning and this week ahead, God, God, would you teach us to go low and to serve each other? God, would you deal with the pride in our lives that can manifest itself in so many different ways? God, would you deal with some of those things so that we can better serve those around us and so that we can live in greater unity with those around us? Father, we commit this week ahead to you. God, we open ourselves up to you and to your work, Lord. And we, we just really pray that even though many of us are far apart from each other during this time, God, that you'd be uh, working together in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for staying and listening to the message. Thank you. That was such a great service. Uh, remember, as Melissa was saying, we need to embrace humility and be humble because God wants us to humble ourselves to Him and before Him and pursue a good and loving relationship because we get transformed and we get to be better and look like Him and become like Jesus as we pursue a relationship with Him. Remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube page. May God bless you and bless your week as we continue in His presence.